section twenty five of historical romance of the american negro by charles fowler this librivox recording is in the public domain theodore roosevelt and color is no bar to office deeds are indestructible ideas are imperishable and mind is immortal children says george eliot may be strangled deeds never they have an indestructible life both in mind and outside of our consciousness it is not to be wondered at therefore that many of the ancients of the distant past should have predicated eternal life upon deeds and ideas deeds which are formidable and ideas which grow and expand and gather strength until they become the very life of the social moral and religious structure of the nation to my mind there can be no truer measurement of a man or a race or a nation than the standard of ideas which formulate themselves into deeds deeds and ideas which according to disraeli render a man independent of his constituencies independent of dissolution independent even of the course of time measure from this standard theodore roosevelt the president of the united states of america is the most unique figure before the american people to-day no president since the days of lincoln the emancipator merits in a larger degree the unselfish praise and devotion not only of his countrymen but of the whole civilized world in the strictest sense of the term he is a man of destiny born like all true leaders and reformers at a particular time for a particular purpose endowed by nature with a constitution which defies the encroachment of disease with an intellect which craves the most rigid discipline with a courage which knows no daring and a conscience which repels the slightest innovation which might result to the detriment of his fellow-man regardless of race color or creed it was for abraham lincoln to issue the proclamation of freedom and thus save the nation from disintegration it is for theodore roosevelt to preserve that proclamation and preserve the amendments to the constitution which is the very life of the freedom guaranteed to the emancipated from the time of president grant down to the present time there has been a persistent attempt on the part of the south to paralyze the spirit and practice of the thirteenth and fourteenth amendments to the constitution without which freed men would have no legal standing in the nation the amendments received a dangerous wound during the administration of president hayes from the effects of this wound it hardly ever recovered when by a strange providence theodore roosevelt was called suddenly to occupy the place of the martyred president mckinley a most lovable and peaceful man black men and their friends all over the country rejoiced in the hope of a better day when right and justice would succeed policy and conciliation 
in this we were not mistaken not that theodore roosevelt loves the black man any more than any of his predecessors but that theodore roosevelt has convictions and the courage of his convictions regardless of consequences the appended correspondence which explains itself will render him immortal and will keep his memory fresh in the recollection of his fellow-men and when future historians chronicle his acts they shall speak of him as theodore the great and the good color is no bar to office president roosevelt defines his attitude in a letter to a south carolinian who includes in a number of objections to the appointment of dr crumb as collector of the port of charleston the statement that he is a negro the president declares that he will continue to appoint colored men of intelligence and standing incentive to good citizenship washington november twenty seventh the president has sent the following communication to a prominent citizen of charleston south carolina personal white house washington november twenty sixth nineteen o two my dear sir i am in receipt of your letter of november tenth and one from mr blank under date of november eleventh in reference to the appointment of dr crum as collector of the port of charleston in your letter you make certain specific charges against dr crum tending to show his unfitness in several respects for the office sought these charges are entitled to the utmost consideration from me and i shall go over them carefully before taking any action after making these charges you add as a further reason for opposition to him that he is a colored man and after reciting the misdeeds that followed carpet-bag rule and negro domination in south carolina you say that we have sworn never again to submit to the rule of the african and such an appointment as that of dr crumb to any such office forces us to protest unanimously against this insult to the white blood and you add that you understood me to say that i would never force a negro on such a community as yours mr blank puts the objection of color first saying first he is a colored man and that of itself ought to bar him from the office in view of these last statements i think i ought to make clear to you why i am concerned and pained by your making them and what my attitude is as regards all such appointments how any one could have gained the idea that i had said i would not appoint reputable and upright colored men to office when objection was made to them solely on account of their color i confess i am wholly unable to understand at the time of my visit to charleston last spring i had made and since that time i have made a number of such appointments from several states in which there was considerable colored population for example i made one such appointment in mississippi and another in alabama shortly before my visit to charleston i had at that time appointed two colored men as judicial magistrates in the district of columbia i have recently announced another such appointment for new orleans and have just made one from pennsylvania the great majority of my appointments in every state have been of white men north and south alike it has been my sedulous endeavor to appoint only men of high character and good capacity whether white or black 
but it has been my consistent policy in every state where their numbers warranted it to recognize colored men of good repute and standing in making appointments to office these appointments of colored men have in no state made more than a small proportion of the total number of appointments i am unable to see how i can legitimately be asked to make an exception for south carolina in south carolina to the four most important positions in the state i have appointed three men and continued in office a fourth all of them white men three originally gold democrats two of them as i am informed the sons of confederate soldiers have been informed by the citizens of charleston whom i met that these four men represent a high grade of public service i do not intend to appoint any unfit man to office so far as i legitimately can i shall always endeavor to pay regard to the wishes and feelings of the people of each locality but i cannot consent to take the position that the door of hope the door of opportunity is to be shut upon any man no matter how worthy purely upon the grounds of race or color such an attitude would according to my convictions be fundamentally wrong if as you hold the great bulk of the colored people are not yet fit in point of character and influence to hold such positions it seems to me that it is worth while putting a premium upon the effort among them to achieve the character and standing which will fit them the question of negro domination does not enter into the matter at all it might as well be asserted that when i was governor of new york i sought to bring about negro domination in that state because i appointed two colored men of good character and standing to responsible positions one of them to a position paying a salary twice as large as that paid in the office now under consideration one of them as a director of the buffalo exposition the question raised by you and mr blank in the statements to which i refer is simply whether it is to be declared that under no circumstances shall any man of color no matter how upright and honest no matter how good a citizen no matter how fair in his dealings with all his fellows be permitted to hold any office under our government i certainly cannot assume such an attitude and you must permit me to say that in my view it is an attitude no man should assume whether he looks at it from the standpoint of the true interest of the white man of the south or of the colored man of the south not to speak of any other section of the union it seems to me that it is a good thing from every standpoint to let the colored man know that if he shows in marked degree the qualities of good citizenship that the qualities which in a white man we feel are entitled to reward then he will not be cut off from all hope of similar reward without any regard as to what my decision may be on the merits of this particular applicant for this particular place i feel that i ought to let you know clearly my attitude on the far broader question raised by you and mr blank an attitude from which i have not varied during my term of office faithfully yours hon theodore roosevelt charleston south carolina End of section twenty five End of Historical Romance of the American Negro by Charles Fowler